1: Lakers Nation. Welcome in. This is the LakersNation.com live postgame show. The Lakers survive against the Knicks in overtime. Get the job done. LeBron James, welcome back. Anthony Davis have a game. Malik Monk, the human torch, goes nuts. Russell Westbrook gets benched. We've got a lot to break down from this one. I've got Matt the Optimist Peralta joining me. Matt, how are you doing?
2: Uh, Trevor, I'm just super happy and grateful that I can continue to show up on these live post game shows. Um, <laughs> the Lakers were able to pull out a win while I was scheduled to come on, which means that maybe the curse is finally broken.
1: That is what the chat is saying. I've got a number of people chiming in right now saying we won even with Matt. Look at that. Look at that. Curse is broken. Curse is broken,
2: people. The Lakers should be able to play the Knicks for the rest of the season. Every single game, just wipe NBA. Figure it out. The Lakers need some wins. Let's just play the Knicks from here on out, and I can continue to be on these shows. I think
1: that's fair. I think that's doable. That's something. That's something that we can work out.
2: Come on, Adam. Make I it know happen. you're listening.
1: Yep. Make Adam Silver. He watches this show.
2: You he know he's to. watching
1: right now. He's commenting. Uh, the Lakers do win 122 to 115. Our old friend Julius Randall went for 32 and 16 with seven assists. He's had a rough season. Not tonight. He was good tonight. Not tonight. Not tonight. RJ Barrett, career high, 36 points, because, of course, career high. Again, not season high. Career high, 36 points, eight boards, five assists. For him, the Lakers, meanwhile, Anthony Davis, phenomenal Again, he's been great since coming back from injury. 28 points, 17 boards, 3 assists, 3 steals, 4 blocks, 41 minutes for AD, but it was an overtime game. LeBron James, in his return from injury, just a measly triple-double. 29 points, 13 boards, 10 assists. Credible shooting numbers as well. Malik Monk, 29 points to match LeBron James for the team high. 11 for 20. He really got the Lakers going in that third quarter when it looked like that first half, and we'll talk about it. I don't want to... I want to focus on the good to start.
2: Let's and, do that,
1: and then we'll get into the Westbrook and and the first half. Um, but that first first half was not great. Malik Monk was a big part of the Lakers turnaround, so we will need to discuss that. Trevor Ariza played thirty five minutes. A sentence I didn't think I would ever say this season, even if it was the Ariza we thought, even if he was a fully healthy Ariza, I never would have thought I would have said Trevor Ariza played thirty five minutes, but he did. So we need to talk about that as well. So many different things to break down from this game. And I know the chat is already going nuts because we've got so many different things to talk about Sheesh. from this. Let's start with the beginning, though. The starting lineup has changed. Yes. Avery Bradley to the bench. We get This is the starting lineup that we've been clamoring for, right? Yes. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook. Okay, we'll talk more about him in a bit. Malik Monk, Stanley Johnson. What do you think about Frank Vogel sending his guy, Avery Bradley to the bench?
2: Um, It only took him what, what's the Lakers record now? 26 and it only took him 54 games to adjust and figure out. Maybe there is a better option than Avery Bradley in the starting lineup. So kudos to Frank for finally figuring it out. Um, But I, oh man, I I never thought we'd see the day. I've been joking that no matter what Avery Bradley does, he's going to stay in the starting lineup. But lo and behold, I was proven wrong today. And I am incredibly grateful to be wrong in this case, because I think this is a group that makes a lot more sense on paper. Um, Obviously, the first half was not great, and maybe it validated Frank's decision to start Bradley all those games. But I'm glad that they picked it up in the second half, thankfully. And I'm very curious um, to see how this group looks like with more reps, more minutes together for the rest of the season, you know, fingers crossed. I think this is probably as close to optimal as a starting lineup you can get with the current roster as constructed. So yeah, I mean, kudos to Frank for finally figuring it out. A little late, but better late than never. Am I right? I think this group,
1: and and you're absolutely right. I think this group on paper, and we haven't said this very often about this team this season, on paper, this group makes sense. Yes. It just it just makes sense. Like Malik Monk, you can talk about the defensive issues, sure. And we were concerned about those coming into the season. But guess what? Things change. The information changes. Now we know that Malik Monk is so good on the offensive end, which nobody could have predicted this. But he's so good on the offensive end that he has to start. Great. So he stays. Stanley Johnson, you need his defense more than what you would get out there from Avery Bradley. If both guys are defense first players, the fact that Stanley Johnson is 6'6 and strong matters more than Avery Bradley being 6'2 and being smaller there. So you have to go with Stanley Johnson in that starting lineup, even though Johnson had his minutes eclipsed by Trevor Ariza tonight. Um, So I do like this starting lineup moving forward for the Lakers. I hope it's one that sticks. I don't want to let the first half of this game poison my opinion of this particular group, because I think this is the group that you stick with from here on out.
2: Yes, I think just, you know, Monks, maybe, you know, defensive deficiencies aside, I think that the Lakers finally have enough length, physicality, athleticism up in their front court, which is I think has been missing most of the season. So having AD, Stanley Johnson, LeBron James, I think is a more versatile group defensively. Frank Vogel can probably go back to some of his normal coverages defensively. And like I said, the Lakers have just been missing some foot speed at certain positions. So I think this is, again, about as ideal of a group as you can put together with the roster right now.
1: Okay, let's talk LeBron. Comes back. He missed five games. Five games. In those five games, the Lakers went one and four. He Sheesh. comes back from a knee injury. He was a game time decision. Even in Vogel's pregame presser, he didn't know if LeBron was going to play. That's typically about an hour and a half before the game. So, an hour and a half before the game, Vogel didn't know, or if he knew, he wasn't telling anybody whether or not LeBron was actually going to play. He had to get out on the floor, work around, work out a little bit, and see. If he was a go or not. And in my head, I was thinking two days off after this, they're probably gonna wait. They're probably gonna wait till Tuesday's game against the Bucs, and I'm gonna gonna give them that much more time. Ultimately, the decision is made. LeBron is a go. Game time decision, 29 points, 13 boards, 10 assists, one steal. The tip dunk at the end, I think should should've have counted. Should have counted. Absolutely yep. should have counted. He's 37 years old, was a game time decision, and he shoots 13 for 24 shooting and gets a triple-double with 29 points. This guy is ridiculous. Like, th- that's that's <laughs> incredible that he can do that. Like, this was the, hey, let's take it easy, LeBron. Let's kind of ease you back into things. You've been out for five games. Nope. No, just a triple-double. No
2: big deal. Yeah, casual triple-double for our favorite LeBron James. I, what can you say about this guy at this point? I mean, I love how we have to keep qualifying 37-year-old, 19 years in the league, but... I don't think any of, you know, that mileage talk or all the wear and tear he has, like, I don't, I don't think it applies to LeBron. He is just a one-of-one generational athlete, alien, whatever you want to call him at this point. Um, granted again, it was against the Knicks who are, you know, probably the Lakers equivalent in the Eastern conference right now. Um, but LeBron James should not be doing these things, especially coming off an injury that left them out for five games. But, um, I mean, the only thing I can really think of is just like, you know, where would the Lakers be without LeBron? I mean, obviously one and four, um, but just in general, like, where does this team go without LeBron James? I don't know. I I have no words other than that. He is great. Um, I hope he is a Laker for many more years after this, even though he's already 37. But um, this is why I think I'm bullish on the Lakers still being a decent team if he's healthy, because he's just so he's so good. What, What do you say at this point?
1: I mean, if the Lakers... I think if something is disappointing about the Lakers, it's going to be because of injury or because yes. of a lack of depth due to a certain trade from the offseason. Those that's going to be, that's the downfall <laughs> of the Lakers this season. You can't look at LeBron and say, this is on LeBron unless you want to say because of off the court decisions, right? If LeBron had a, you know, a voice in that particular trade, which we're going to get to in a bit, then okay. Right. You could put some of it on him there, but in terms of on the floor, you can't put any of the blame really on LeBron James for any shortcomings from the Lakers. Cause he's been fantastic. Um, yes. Anthony Davis for as much criticism as AD got the first part of the season. And it was, you know, deserved mostly. I think it went a little bit too far, but he yes. wasn't really impacting the game the way people were used to, to seeing him, him do tonight 13 for 19, 28 points, 17 rebounds, three assists, three steals, four blocks playing center every second that he's on the floor. He's been fantastic since he came back from injury. He's looked not quite at that super high bar of the, the bubble version of Anthony Davis, the 2020 champion version of Anthony Davis. But I think this stretch is the closest we've seen to that since that, that run. And he's been fantastic.
2: Yeah, absolutely. This is the best eighties looked in a Lakers Jersey outside of the playoffs. I think, um, And this is why, again, like why we were so against trading Anthony Davis, because how many players in the league right now can do what he's doing? Um, Not a lot. Obviously there are players better than AD, and there are guys that can put up numbers just like these. But when you have two legitimate close to top five guys, top six guys, whatever you have a chance in any series that you're going to play. And I think, you know, going back to like, you know, the whole Anthony Davis criticism at the beginning of the season, I think a lot of the frustration was just that we know anthony davis can do these kinds of things it's just that he doesn't do them every single night however since returning from the injury these stat lines are pretty much you know par for course now at this rate right he's always putting up close to 30 and 15 uh even with lebron james coming back the production remained the same which i thought was pretty interesting um so yeah anthony davis is playing great he's affecting the game on both ends of the floor he came up with timely plays time and time again in the second half and yeah like give me this healthy version of the lakers for the rest of the season and let's see what. We can build
1: Malik Monk. Was apologies to Marcelo huertas but he was the catalyst to really get (laughs) the Lakers offense going in the third quarter. Uh, he was absolutely fantastic again, 29 points, four of eight from deep, didn't give you a lot else, right? It was pretty much just the scoring two assists for him. That's it. 39 minutes, only had two assists. That was his only counting stat. No rebounds, no steals, no blocks, but 29 points, four of eight from three, 11 for 20 shooting. He can score at all levels. He's not just a spot-up shooter. He's not just a deep threat. He's a guy that can put the ball on the floor, that can get to the basket, can finish, can hit from the mid-range. One of, if not the absolute best bargains on a veteran minimum deal. I'm at a point, Matt, where... And I'm cautious. I'm cautious with guys like Malik Monk in terms of how much you want to commit to them long-term. Because think back in the day, Nick Young had a great, and I'm not saying they're the same player, but I'm saying back in the day, Nick Young had a really good season for the Lakers. The Lakers paid him, his field goal percentage dropped, and he suddenly was a negative value contract. The Dallas Mavericks, I've been dealing with that a little bit with Tim Hardaway Jr. These guys who can be bad shot makers, um, who are really good at it for a season, the field goal percentage sometimes isn't a sticky stat. And a lot of their value is tied to field goal percentage. So I'm always a little bit gun-shy when it comes to guys like a Malik Monk, a Tim Hardaway Jr., Nick Young back in the day, these types of players. I'm always a little bit wary because I know how important their percentage is to how valuable they are as a basketball player. That said, I think we've reached the point where if you're the Lakers, you do whatever it takes aside from getting rid of LeBron or AD to find a way you get creative and you find a way to keep this guy because at 24 years old, you may have just stumbled into a long-term piece for the Lakers here.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't, we were joking off air, but you know, we love to harp on the Lakers big three, but, um, I think at this point, it's almost fair to say that the big three for the Lakers is LeBron AD and Malik Monk. Um, you know, I'm just putting it out there. Uh, but yes, no, I, I I agree. Contract year guys are um, always a little bit of a risky proposition because they are fighting for you know to stay in the NBA and. I don't know if, you know, Malik Monk is a contract guy per se, like, you know, and what I mean by that is I don't know if he's just, you know, playing this well so he can get some money and then he'll regress. But, um, even at 24 years old, I still think Monk has some upside still. Um, I think, you know, his main role is going to be a, um, you know, a gunner, someone that can put the ball in the basket and get you shots when you need them. Um, but I think this just goes to show you that how reliant the Lakers are on LeBron to create offense, whether that's passing for someone else or scoring himself, Having someone like Monk to relieve that pressure and be a secondary creator is, I think, invaluable for this team. And so, I- I'm with you. I think the Lakers need to absolutely find a way to keep him long term. Um, I don't know what his. I don't like is um, in free agency. I know there aren't a lot of teams with cap space this summer, but you know what would be like a fair contract for Malik Monk? You think, Trevor? I
1: think at the very least, because the just because of that cap environment that you're talking about, we're talking a deal starting at the mid-level exception, like pretty close to a, starting around 11 now that the cap's gone up. I, I, I don't know exactly what the, the MLE is. I'm talking about the full MLE, so I'm talking about the mm-hmm. Lakers have got to get to a point where they're comfortable triggering a hard cap.
2: I, I think, you know, if the Lakers, if that's, let's just, let's just say that that's Monk's value, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's going to be an MLE player in the offseason. I think if the Lakers can sign him to that, um, one, they keep a good player on the books for a few more years, at least. And then two, you know, in the event that they ever need to swing for the fences and try to trade for another win now piece, that's a good, that's a good, you know, dollar value contract to have on your books um like if it's a three four year deal that puts monk square in his prime and i think some team will buy if the lakers are going to go that route and have to dump the asset later for something but i mean worst case scenario you have a pretty decent player on a very good contract so like if you told a lot of people right now if monk was playing on THT's contract they would find it probably even undervalued at that point still
1: absolutely absolutely yeah and i i think i'm specifically talking about the salary cap environment we have coming up this offseason I think in a normal offseason, he probably gets more than the MLE because he's he's been that good. Um, Mac Mac Daddy Connor in our chat here says, Monk was a LeBron pick too. At least give him credit for that. Is that right?
2: He did say he wanted to play with Monk. Okay. Yeah. He said, um, wasn't it um, LeBron and Jason Kidd talking about trying to get Monk from Charlotte? Mm -hmm. I think that was a report a while ago. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Okay.
1: All right, let's get into, oh, somebody said, nice haircut, Trevor. Thank you. Thank you. I finally, oh, good, I finally went and got that done, but um, let's get into the, the uh, 3611 award here for tonight. So out of <laughs> Malik Monk, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who was the, the, who was the best out of the Lakers three stars?
2: sheesh um, caught me off guard with that one uh, <laughs> it's funny because like look at it you have three legitimate candidates for this award now don't you um let's see i am going to probably go and this is probably the boring answer but i'm going to go with lebron james uh triple double first game back after missing five Um, really turned it up in the second half. I know we're going to talk about the first half probably in a little bit, but the second half was a completely different LeBron. And I thought he made play after play after play. And I think he is, you know, if I had to pie chart this win, right, I think he's at least 35 to 40% of this at least. So I'm going to go with LeBron.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Yes. I will also go LeBron James, but that is not for lack of trying from the other players. Anthony Davis and of course Malik Monk they were tremendous in this game. The La- if you were missing one of those guys, the Lakers don't lose. The Lakers don't win yep. this game. The Lakers don't win. So, I think this was a great performance from all of them, but again, I'm going with LeBron, especially coming back from injury, he was absolutely fantastic. Um, all right, let's let's do it because I've got so many people in the chat talking about it right now. Sean Tate says, let's just buy out Westbrook. It's time to move on. Well, you know that money's still in the books then. Uh, Nishad uh, Marathi said, Lakers should shut down Westbrook and make Monk a permanent starter with Stanley Johnson and either Avery Bradley or Austin Reeves. I've got...
2: Oh, um, man, these are some spicy yeah, takes. I I've love got, it. I've got
1: a lot of them coming in. I've got uh, Hulk Smash says, Westbrook was atrocious and THT is LeBron James if you ordered him from the Wish app. just dribbles the shot clock these rarely make me like like literally stop and laugh but that that's a pretty good one the shot clock uh, should need ot to, to beat the knicks so again we've got a lot uh pj benji said name a team with a whose starting point guard isn't better than russ this was a rough night from russell westbrook uh, a, a really rough night. I mean, if you look at just looking at the stats, 1 for 10, 4 boards, 6 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, 4 turnovers. He missed a number of different layups to the point where he was getting frustrated with all the layups that were being missed. He was in fact, uh, at some points lagging behind a play because he was upset that he had missed the that he had missed it. And then he gets booed in the first half. He hit the side of the backboard on a nice. on an angled jumper and the staples slash crypto.com arena crowd booze him groaned
0: groaned. yes
1: and then then he got the mwp treatment the meta world piece that i believe he was running our test at the time but you remember it playoff game i say was this against the celtics or was this against the suns the ball which, the which... ball gets swung to mwp and the entire staples center crowd in unison is yelling no, telling him not to shoot. And he jacked up this three anyway when there was still plenty of time on the clock. He later uh, atoned for it. I believe it was against the
2: Suns. It's the Suns. Because he got the it's tip in
1: to win the game after that off the Kobe miss.
2: It was not oh, oh, no, no, yes. no. And then at the end, yes, 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 right. yes. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. The, the mm-hmm. one against the Celtics was the no, no, no. And then he, and then he hit it um, when Kobe passed him the ball with not a lot of time on the clock. But in any event, that's the last time I can remember the crowd in LA actively, like together, yelling no. As though it was like an 80s action movie and the, and the hero's best friend was in, in the process of getting killed. You know what I mean? It was like a slow motion, one of those, no, like that. Yeah. That was the crowd in L.A. when Westbrook went to shoot the ball. Now, part of that was Anthony Davis flashed wide open underneath the hoop. And so I think they wanted to see him make the pass. But after that, Westbrook gets benched for overtime. I mentioned this in our Lakers Nation chat. I think if Frank Vogel had benched Russell Westbrook midway through the fourth quarter, the game does not go to overtime. The Lakers just win it outright. What do we do here with Russell Westbrook now?
2: Um, Great question. I think what you try to do is look for any potential deals. I know that people are probably going to bring up the John Wall one, um, but I think... I mean, I guess here's what I'm at on this is that if you're going to get rid of Westbrook, right, I'd have to assume the Lakers are trying to get better in any potential deal, right? They're not going to just give them away to to open up a roster spot, which is why buying him out is absolutely out of the question, I think. Um, Not cap, cap, you know, cap perspective, notwithstanding. Um, So what deal can the Lakers possibly make where they feel like they're getting, you know, not just out of Westbrook's contract, but they still feel like they can compete afterwards? I don't know. But I think what you try to do is, you know, you do your due diligence, you call around, you, Rob has to basically beg someone to take Russ at this point, I think. Um, But I'm very, very, very pessimistic. Any deal sort of gets done. Um, Russ is a negative trade value asset, no matter how you look at it at this point. And so I think what you can do is just, you know, pray and hope and cross your fingers that the next time they play, he doesn't do anything to hurt you. (laughs) I've got a bunch of people in our chat saying,
1: call the Knicks, send them to New York. The Knicks just saw up close and personal what happened in this game. Yep. What, there's no way that after the Knicks saw this, anybody in the Knicks front office is thinking, let's go get that guy. That's that's well, the guy that's going to fix things for us.
2: Well, to be fair, they do like trading players that they're not going to use. so. Mm. For anyone that missed the joke, it's Cam Reddish. Yeah, I, that's, Cam Reddish did
1: not play in this game, by the way. The, the Lakers are probably going, hey, we'll take him if you're not going to use him. Well, we could use... Well, no, it cost him a first-round pick, We right? could use another wing, yeah. Um, the the Knicks want to clear room so that Cam Reddish can play. And so yes. that's, that's been a thing. That's something that's one of their goals heading into the trade deadline. I don't see anybody taking on Russell Westbrook's contract. Um, I don't. So I think it really comes down to... You've got to try to get him instead of banish Russ, exile him. If you're the Lakers, you have to figure out a way to get better out of him. And we've seen better recently. I mean, this was, this may have been
0: his his worst worst game.
1: game. It may, it might've been his worst. I think it's probably is. So I think he's been better recently. We've seen him getting to the basket. We've seen him finishing. We've seen him uh, playing well. So I'm willing to look at this as just one game. I think if you're the Lakers, the only path forward is you have to build him back up. You have to find a way to build him back up because I don't think you can move him now. But in the offseason, maybe when he's a $47 million expiring contract, maybe you can figure something out then. But if you don't build him back up now and he finishes the season playing poorly, you're going to really be up against it trying to do anything with him in the summer.
2: Uh Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Lakers after twenty twenty three next season they have basically a clear cap sheet, right um, So I guess my question being if you traded Russ in the offseason, and I guess it's just me speculating, right? Uh, I wonder how much Rob is willing to take on you know longer term salary after that upcoming season in order to get rid of Russ. It's
1: a fair question, and I've got a lot of people saying, well, look what the Clippers just got, right? They took on a long term salary and they and they moved nothing and got a second round pick and some guys that they weren't planning on playing and a young player who maybe has a little bit of upside. Um, And they got Norman Powell, who's really good. And they got Robert Covington who fits what they need and all that. So people are expecting the Lakers to be able to do something with him, but I just don't think it's realistic at the trade deadline here. Again, I think you have to build them up. In fact, I've got Daniel 17 from YouTube. The super chat said, I hope to see Bron and AD be more encouraging with Russ and give him confidence. Also a Ariza. is going to need a few extra days off. Oh, he absolutely is, but fortunately the Lakers do have two days before they have to play again against Milwaukee, so. um, Oh, that's going to be fun. Hopefully that's enough time for him to, uh, you know, heal up.
2: Yeah. Yep, yep, yep.
1: Uh, Bruce Barnes said, guys, how good would the closing lineup be if the two guys with LeBron, AD, and Monk were Kuzma and KCP? Why why do you have to do that to me, Bruce Barnes? Why you got to
2: hurt me like (laughs) that, man? To answer your question, it'd be a lot better, but mm-hmm. come on, man. Don't do that to me. It's rough too, because the Wizards are also struggling now. So, you know, <laughs> uh, it, I miss Coos and KCP. Yeah,
1: You know, they, Frank Vogel was very clearly just praying he could find someone when he realized he had to bench. And again, I think he came to this conclusion too late, but when he realized he had to bench Russ for overtime. He was just praying he could find someone to give him something. And he went with THT, and THT's first action was for a ball to go flying through his hands and out of bounds for a turnover. And Frank Vogel must have just been thinking, oh my God, what? What? I don't have a fifth player, right? I don't have a fifth guy I can put on the floor that can do something. That's
2: not true. No.
1: Well, you've got Austin Reeves. And, and there you. were a lot of people saying Austin Reeves should have been in there instead. But I understand why he wanted the, the strength of tht defensively in that moment and then tht rewarded him hit hit the uh the floater over um mitch richmond robinson <laughs> i
2: almost said mitch richmond mitchell robinson oh, that's a different player mitch richmond in his prime could help the lakers right would, now that'd be I would cool take him mitch richmond yeah, absolutely mitch
1: richmond former laker former champion yeah. mitch richmond
2: you almost forget because he was basically about yeah, to retire, but yeah. yeah,
1: he sat on the bench. But, but in any event, Thd hit the shot, missed the free throw. Missed free throws were a big problem for the Lakers down the stretch, though. Jesus, yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was a problem. But my goodness, it's um, it's tough if you're if you're Frank Vogel right now trying to find guys that, that you can uh, rely on.
2: I um, yeah, it's just you know a shout out to all the people out there looking for a long term relationship. Frank's just looking for people he can count on in clutch moments too. That's my relationship analogy for today.
1: Ivan Z said, this isn't a diss on Westbrook, but his plus minus has been negative on like 95% of our games. I know it's not a perfect stat, but still. It's pretty telling. Yeah. I'll also say he's been playing a lot without LeBron and without AD. I do wonder like how big of a, Frank Vogel has said several times that the adjustments being made by Russell Westbrook or needing to be made are far greater than the adjustments by any other player on the team that he has to change his game more than anybody else does. So I think you could argue too, that LeBron being out and then LeBron coming back in is a more difficult adjustment for Russell Westbrook than for any other Laker, not to say that's an excuse for the way he played tonight or or what happened tonight or anything like that. Missed layups are missed layups. Hey, bad turnovers are bad turnovers but I just think it's something that we, that we have to note that he his game probably does have to, has to change a lot. So if we saw a better version of him with LeBron out and then suddenly LeBron's back and he's bad, that's going to be an adjustment period. And Russ frankly has been the only guy who's played every game. And meanwhile, all the pieces around him have constantly been in flux. That can't be an easy situation.
2: No, I mean, this is us being fair to Russ in that you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think, having to play third fiddle for the first time in his career since like the early OKC days are well, not even then because he's more of the second fiddle at the time. But anyway, my point being is that it's an adjustment for someone who is so ball dominant and needs the ball to be as effective as he can be to have to sit back and watch LeBron and Anthony Davis do things. And so um, I think the constant jiggering of the lineup with guys in and out constantly is like you said, an adjustment for him because he gets used to playing with a certain group of guys. LeBron comes back. That's obviously a very big piece. And now you have to go back to doing even less When he was out, so um, yes, it's an adjustment and yes, it's something he has been, you know, I think trying to do his best at because, you know, there have been a lot of nights where we, you know, criticize Westbrook for being almost too passive and not doing enough because he's trying so hard to fit in. So, you know, I sympathize with him from that perspective, but when you are, you know, supposed to be the Lakers third star and the reason why they went out and got you was so you could, you know, play up to that level you're not going to get a lot of time or a lot of sympathy from everyone else to figure that stuff out, especially 54 games into the season. You know, the broadcast was saying this too. Um, Russ is one of like only six players in the league to start every game for their team so far. So it's not like he hasn't had time to get to know his teammates and, and figure stuff out on the fly. So I, (laughs) I, I feel bad for him because I think, you know, sometimes people are too hard on him, but then there are nights like tonight. I think it's pretty warranted and it's, it's just one of those things where I don't think they're going to be able to get rid of that issue. They just have to learn how to make it work and they need to do it soon because there's not a lot of season left.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course you can guess our chat is saying a lot of excuses. Of course they are. We're just trying to be fair and and show the whole picture, right? We've been plenty critical of Russell Westbrook, right? And for good reason. And for good reason, we just want to make sure that we paint the whole picture here and talk about what, is going on around him as well because I think it's something that you have to factor in doesn't mean that it's an excuse for the way he played doesn't mean that it makes it okay or anything like that. But if we're just telling you one side, well, that's not really what we that's not really what we do here, right? We're not trying to give you just one side, just one opinion, hot take, and then ignore anything that doesn't fit with that narrative. We try to give you a more well rounded approach. That's, that's, that's our take.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com/slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Uh, Love Lamar said, Did it feel like the refs called a lot of absurd fouls for the Knicks? LeBron shot two free throws, a number of <laughs> Nick role players shot more. Uh yeah, look. It has not been a good 24 hours for NBA officials. And if you saw what happened with the Hornets game last night, you know what I'm talking about. The the Cavs Hornets game last night. That was an absolute mess. I'm not going to go into it, but if you haven't looked, go just look Cavs Hornets referee and go see what happened because that was ridiculous. We're starting to see, look, refs are human. Refs are going to miss calls. We're starting to see refs see a play and misinterpret what's happening or misinterpret how the rules should be applied to that situation. For example, Austin Reeves going up, shooting a ball, gets fouled like while he's shooting. And somehow that gets called a non-shooting foul. So again, with the Cavs game, that was a mess. We saw a number of calls. And this wasn't even just against the Lakers. We saw Julius Randle was involved in a play. He actually got a tech afterwards because he was still mad. Trevor Ariza very clearly knocked the ball out of bounds. Julius Randle was upset because the referee, looking right at it, just, I mean, I can't even say he missed it. He he just got it wrong, just completely wrong. Um, It's going to happen. Officiating is an extremely difficult job, but I think there's something to the fact that it's been extra bad lately. And I don't know if that's coincidence or if there's something going on, there's something that's being put out to referees or what, but we've seen a lot more situations where, the rules are being applied incorrectly in games.
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know, what's adding more pressure to, you know, the officials and, and people watching is that um, these are happening when the games are very tight and these kinds of calls swing games. Um, so I, I get it. It's a lot of pressure for the officials to have to make that call. It's a bang, bang call every single time with those kinds of things. Um, but like you said, <laughs> um They're human. They're going to get things wrong. It's just that it just feels like because the games are so tight, they're getting them more wrong often than they're getting them right. And fortunately, it didn't bite the Lakers today. But I guarantee there's going to be a game somewhere down the rest of the year where it's going to come down to a couple calls, and then people are going to look back on them, and they're going to say, oh, this cost this team the the win.
1: Absolutely. It's going to happen. We're going to see it. Uh, the fairly odd couple said, I really want to see Russ off the ball. If he's on the court in the fourth, his decision-making is off in these situations. Well, that's actually what Vogel did, uh, in their game against the Clippers. We saw Russ off the ball. We saw Malik Monk running the offense. We talked about this on our last show. Um, so that, that is an adjustment that they've been making. And I think maybe this was kind of baby steps. I know Vogel benched Russ earlier in the season in the fourth quarter, Last game, though, it was taking Russ off the ball and running your offense through Malik Monk and Anthony Davis. This game, it was Russ off the ball in the fourth, but he still hurts you, still missed free throws. Uh, and I did see him bringing the ball up quite a bit, though. And then in overtime, it was we need Russ on the bench in order to win this thing. Now, again, though, no, this was probably his worst game in the season. But still, that's Frank Vogel felt like in order to win the game, Russell Westbrook needed to be on the bench. And I don't I don't even think that's a controversial thing. Like that's not even a hot take that I don't think that's even something we can debate based on the way the game was going and the way Russ was playing tonight.
2: No, it's it's not like it sounded like a joke where we said, you know, if Russ had been benched in the fourth quarter, the Lakers probably win that game. That's it's not a joke. I think they, they honestly probably do miss free throws, you know, bad, uh, poor decision making. And then just being a non threat as a spacer or a shooter, like it almost feels like you're playing four and five on offense sometimes. Um, it it kind of goes back to this idea where I had brought it up maybe, you know, a couple months ago now where I feel like Russ's next step or his evolution as a player needs to be kind of like Draymond Green. Don't shoot, don't score, set screens, move off ball, facilitate, and, you know, make plays that way. I honestly think at this point that is the best way to get the most out of Russ without him touching the ball as frequently.
1: I mean, that's not that's not at all what he was brought here to do, right? What he was brought to the Lakers no. to do. But So you're talking about just to salvage him. Like, that's that's almost your... You're trying to minimize his... Im- it's That's almost like when I was coaching, and I was... Co- like, if I was coaching... For example, when I was coaching soccer, right? If I had one player that I knew I had to get some minutes for, but at the same time, I couldn't trust this guy because he wasn't going to get back on defense, or if he did, he was going to get burned every time. I would hide him up at left forward and just pray the ball never came to him right that kind of sounds like the approach that you're talking about here with russell westbrook who's making 44 million dollars this season and was supposed to come in and be the guy to run the show when lebron is out and keep everything afloat
2: i mean like i don't think russ has a cito big isn't like I don't think that's that bad of an idea, is it? Like, what what is he good? He's good at, you know, reading defenses and passing, spraying the ball out to corners or wings. He can collapse defenses, and he is an energetic... He can be an energetic off-ball cutter, I think, too. Mm-hmm. He is, you know, more physical than guards that are guarding him for the most part, so I think he can get there. But... Um, I mean what's the alternative? Continue to let him do what he does now and shoot jumpers where your crowd is literally groaning and for and hoping you don't shoot and hoping that when you get the ball in transition you slow down and don't turn the ball over? Like if you're going if you're if you know if you're committed to playing him and you can't get rid of him and you're not going to bench him for, you know, the entire game, I think you have to learn how to maximize him without, you know, with minimizing mistakes or, you know, so I don't know. That's just an idea. Is it too drastic? Probably. But I honestly think it works for this specific Lakers roster. And that's the whole point, right? Is that if he's going to make adjustments and he wants to play next to the big, the other two players, AD and LeBron specifically, I think that's the best way to use them.
1: Interesting. I don't know if he would go for it, but it's interesting. I don't it's, think he it's would. It's an interesting role, though. It's an interesting role. And you, and you may be right. You may be right. Uh, Angry bird. The things haven't been the same for Russ since
2: he wore the skirt. It took his powers like the Monstars in Space Jam. It's like that meme where Kuz wore that ridiculous pink sweater and they've like lost a bunch of games since then too. Oh, yeah. It's tied to the outfits. Could be
1: it. Uh, Let's see. We've got uh, Joan Oliva said Trevor and Matt. What are your thoughts on the fans booing Russ and screaming no at him? Well, we kind of just just went into that. So, won't go back. It's bit, an indictment. Thank you for the. That's for sure. Yes. It's not a good look. And if you're Russ, here's the thing. I wanted things to work with Russ. I think all of LA, did. right? Wanted things to work with Russ. Lakers fans wanted it to work because how much fun. Let's say Russ revitalizes, 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 if I could say it, his career with the Lakers. Wait, let's say that's the world we're living. And we jump over to, to another, uh, another timeline here and Russell Westbrook is having success next to LeBron, next to AD. The Lakers are one of the better teams in the Western Conference. They're doing the things that we thought they were going to do. How much fun is that world with hometown kid Russell Westbrook, grew up a Lakers fan, played for UCLA, people were writing him off, comes to LA, and he's finding success. LeBron brought him in, and it's the right call. That is a fun narrative. That's a fun world to live in. Yes, And we wanted to see that. And so that's why I think there's that little bit of extra frustration. So fans fans in L.A., his town, that's got to hit Russell Westbrook pretty hard to hear the boos and then people yelling no when you're shooting. That can't
2: feel great. No, absolutely not, (laughs) especially for a hometown kid. But, I mean, that's just you know, the, um, the adverse effects for playing for the Lakers is that you have a lot of pressure to win and crowd here is not going to be pleased if you are not playing well and contributing to winning. So, um, I think it says a lot that, you know, us and the chat and a lot of people online are saying that the Lakers were right to make the move to move the rest of the bench in times when you would like your third star to be out there.
1: I got... I got one of the best compliments that I've seen for you here in the chat. Will says, I love Matt as a co-host. He's really oh, he's really
2: funny, and he stays hydrated. I do. I do. <laughs> um, a lot of screaming and yelling during that game, so I had to make sure the vocal cords were nice and lubricated. Um, but thank you. Uh, drink your water, friends and family out there. That's right. That's right. Uh, yep. Not a sponsor. <laughs> water. Water. It's not a sponsor. Well, I was going for Hydro Flask, but sure. Oh, (laughs) okay. Yeah. But water, too. Water. You want a sponsor.
1: sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Dre Johnson said, Is it true Russ walked to the locker room after he got benched in OT? I had somebody else said this, too. It's in another Super Chat, and I'm not sure exactly where it is, but I'll come across it eventually, but said that Russ was not taking part in any of the timeouts. Now, I didn't notice this, so I can't really speak on whether or not that's what happened. Did you happen to catch that? Did Russ leave i mean we've seen this before matt you and we've talked about this in our lakers nation group chat before about russ getting upset and not being part of like the team huddle during timeouts and things like that did that happen
2: i don't know but can i um can i spoil our party yeah Uh, Our Lakers Nation Twitter account, which you guys should all be following. Frank Vogel still expects A.V. Bradley to start against top guards like Steph, Dame, Trey, etc. But since the next start, a bigger lineup, he went with Stanley tonight. Interesting. Um, That's a nice way to put it.
1: Well, I guess I can see it if you're going to ask him specifically to defend like Steph, Right. Because you're not going to ask Malik Monk to do that. You're not going to ask Russ to do that. That's, that's asking for trouble, right? hmm But that's the only... That's
2: me looking for the silver lining there. <laughs> uh, oh, also, Frank Vogel admits Russ was, quote, having a tough night, unquote, and he knew the ball was going to be in LeBron's hands down the stretch, so he made the tough decision to bench Russ to do what was best to win the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, Trevor, my initial reaction to that is, well, the ball is always going mm-hmm. to be in LeBron's hands in the fourth quarter and overtime periods. So what are you really telling me there? Russell I guess, to touch the ball when you're up by like 20 with like three minutes to go or?
1: I mean, he's saying the key to win the game was to not have Russell Westbrook touching the basketball. And I can't argue Screen? with it. That's,
2: that was accurate. Wow. Oh, more Frank on Russ. Frank Vogel and benching Russell Westbrook in OT. Hopefully the response is that player plays better.
1: Mm-hmm. Ooh, that is about... Frank Vogel Jeez. is very much... So there's different styles of coaches. By the way, I've got... Uh, Kashawn Edwards says uh, Russ didn't leave to the locker room. He was at the end of the bench. He did leave and as soon as the game ended, though, without greeting any of the, any of the guys. Okay, so that's... Well, that makes so more that, sense. That's, okay, so that makes sense. But... In terms of frank vogel see there's different styles of coaches what we are seeing less of is the old school style of coach that calls their players out through the media like phil jackson would even do this but it was not like he was the only one doing that a lot of the old school coaches would call their players out in the media um and players that they want to be in a, in a foxhole with all these kind of things they would say right um they, they would call their own players out and try to get better out of them frank vogel is much more new school in how he handles the media and he is a master at it i have yet to see frank vogel get asked a question that has tripped him up in any way the man is a machine he gives you the perfect answer every single time while creating minimal controversy that's what he does so with that kind of context that is what frank vogel just said is as close as frank vogel comes to calling out a player his mindset is always shield the players protect the players from criticism I'm on their side always. That's as close as you get from Frank Vogel as calling a player out in the media.
2: Man, if Frank does get fired after this season, he has a definitely a good backup option in communications and PR because that is exactly the kind of response. Like the kinds of rep- responses he gives are usually the ones that, you know, the media people craft for you to say because they know you're going to get asked in things. Um, he is great at it. But yes, this is, <laughs> I don't know, man. I think Vogel knows that his job, his back's against the wall and he's probably canned after this season. So he's just letting it fly at this point, you know, in the way that he knows how. Because um, I- I've never seen Frank say something almost as point blank as this kind of stuff tonight. Just, I've never seen it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I haven't as well. And that's, that's something. Uh, A.Z. said, LeBron is absolutely responsible for the Lakers' lousy performance this year. He brought Westbrook here. He made his own bed. Well, I'm talking about on the court. On the court, LeBron has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, Black Hill said, honest question, is there any way Russ can turn the season around if people who are supposed to be his fans are almost enjoying getting in his head? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, this- he can. Here's here's the thing. Here's the yeah. thing. So, And by the way, people are asking about the Super Chats. Guys, I'm getting to them. I'm getting to them. I've got them all saved. I've got a huge list of them saved. I get to them as we go through the show. Don't worry. If I don't see it in the moment, they go by so fast that if I tried to read them all in the moment, we'd be doing like 10 seconds on each one. So, deep breath.
2: We need a disclaimer at the top yeah, of the we show.
1: Need, I need to put something like that on there. But, yeah, in any event... Um, where was I? Now that totally threw me off my train of thought. Rusbrook turning the season around. Okay. So... When LeBron first came to the Lakers, it was probably about 50-50. And this is from my perspective, from what I was hearing from fans, between fans who were excited and wanted LeBron, to we had a large segment of Lakers Nation who said, no, we don't want LeBron. Get him away from my team. I don't like him. I don't want him here. And there was real concern. This was a real fear. What happens when LeBron steps on the floor at Staples Center? Are there fans that are going to boo him? Because for a while, it was Kobe versus LeBron. There's this rivalry, right? And a lot of Lakers fans didn't like LeBron. And we said, as soon as he starts scoring baskets for the Lakers, people are going to cheer fun. for him. And that's And that yeah. can, you know, eventually it might take some time. There's still people who don't like LeBron. But over the years more and more people have gotten on board and are cheering for LeBron because he's scoring baskets for your team. If Russ starts playing well, like next game, if Russ comes out and, and the Lakers upset the Milwaukee Bucks and Russ gets a triple-double and he plays great and he makes great plays and and he's out there getting to the basket and dropping dimes and not turning the ball over and, he, and we're seeing peak Russ, the, the Crypto.com arena is going to be going crazy for him. They're going to be cheering for him. I don't think it's tough to turn that around. It's just, it's going to depend on his play.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, when Russ is doing well, then you have to figure the Lakers are doing well, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the end goal. Uh, You know, we want the Lakers to win games. And if Russ is going to be, you know, part of that, and if he's going to contribute and do the things that he was brought in to do, then great. Everyone will, you know, change the tune, and they will, you know, stop, you know, ragging on him so much and be happy that he is helping toward winning. But it's just it feels like at this point the lakers do better when he is off the floor to minimize mistakes and other poor decisions he makes but um yeah i, I don't know man like i'm i feel bad for us because i know for him it's probably a lot of pressure to come home and help the team right the ship and deliver a championship and he has just not helped his case at all and i you know i will say this about russ too um I feel like at this point, everyone is so hyper-focused on him on a night-to-night basis to see when he's going to do something wrong so that more people can point and say, oh, look, see, another mistake. Can't trust Russ, got to get rid of him, buy him out, etc." I think, you know, that's a little unfair. And I think that's, where you know, the nasty side of fandom where we stop rooting for a player's success just because we've already made a decision on him and we want him gone. Um, and I guess from my perspective, you know, as a fan as an, an- and as an analyst, I want Russ to succeed with the Lakers because if he does well, the Lakers win. That's just, that's what I want. Um, Do I think, how likely is it though at this point? I don't know. I haven't really seen a lot from Russ next to AD and LeBron to make, you know, conclusive decisions on whether or not I think he is going to help long-term. But I'm praying to God that he figures something out because right now it is brutal, the Russell Westbrook discourse after every game.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. It's been a talking point from day one. We've been talking about it every single game. Uh, Christian Wetzel said, we are one good way to trade away from being a championship team. Okay. We, really? What is yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, it, that would have to be a really good trade, I think. But uh, he said, I pray Vogel has the guts to bench Westbrook, but, and, and we've talked plenty of Westbrook, but let's talk about the trade piece here. Matt, sure. what is it? If you could, if there's any, let's not even worry about a specific player. If there's one thing that you could get the Lakers, knowing that it's not going to be a star, what do you think it is that helps the most? I'm talking, is it, a, you know, a score first point guard, a rim protecting center, a three and D wing? you know, what, what do you think this Lakers
2: team needs the most? Um, I mean, it sounds boring, but I think, you know, a versatile wing, you know, not necessarily even a three and D one, but just one that can do a little bit of everything, kind of like a glue guy in the starting five. Um, you know, cause I look at. You know, I kind of look at Malik Monk as more of a scoring specialist. I look at Stanley Johnson as a defensive specialist. Um, I think we need someone next to those four, AD and LeBron as well, who can come in and do a little bit of everything: defend, pass the ball, Uh, make shots when open, et cetera, like that kind of player. I know that probably just sounds like a three and D wing, but you know, some more playmaking as well, I think would be great. Um, Just so the ball keeps pinging around and, and the offense stays fluid. So I I think that's the kind of player I'd be looking to get, but um, what player of that ilk is available and for the right price that the Lakers have.
1: That's the challenge. That's the challenge is who, who do you really go get? And we'll find out. We'll find out by Thursday, right? What, what the Lakers wind up doing. I still hope that they find a way to do something. I think that they've got some pieces here. Obviously, plenty of firepower with Malik Monk on the floor and him going nuts. And then you've got, of course, LeBron and AD. Um, But I do think they need another wing. I think Trevor Ariza playing 35 minutes tonight, which is my way to get into talking about Trevor Ariza, is evidence Mm -hmm. that you need another wing. Even with Stanley Johnson, you need another wing player that's got some size that can help you out. So, with that being the case, um, Ariza. Why did he why did he get 35 minutes tonight? And why did he play more than Stanley Johnson? What do you think was in Vogel's head? Because I don't think heading into the game, most of us would say Ariza over Stanley Johnson, Ariza playing 35 minutes tonight is a winning strategy.
2: Um, Yeah, I, I thought it was a little weird that he played a little bit more than Stanley also, but I think it's just the uh, unreliability of Stanley's jump shot, even though I know Trevor's also been not great either. Um, I think that he brings a little bit more gravity, Uh, you know, and that's not saying a lot because Stanley has almost zero I think teams are going to happily let him shoot like wide open threes Uh, but at least for Ariza you kind of have to make the effort to close out because he's still a threat there and he hit a big one in in the overtime period so that goes to show you that that was the right decision to make Um, and I think you know I think when it comes to Vogel he leans on veteran savvy and experience more in in stressful or tight situations And so that's another piece where Trevor Ariza probably has the edge as well so that would be my um, my guess also the fact that Carmelo Anthony was out and so Frank did say pregame that all the Carmelo minutes were basically going to go to Trevor Ariza. So that's also another piece of this as well.
1: I think in this one, the, the part of Trevor Ariza's game that really helped the Lakers was his length. Um, yes. He's 6'8, Stanley Johnson 6'6. Stanley Johnson, obviously much quicker laterally, laterally stronger. And he's 25. Ariza's 37, right? So, but Ariza's length. Was helping them out in the paint, so even though he wasn't scoring a lot, even though you weren't seeing him like grab a bunch of boards or do all these this dramatic stuff, I thought that his ability to just be a factor in the paint in terms of contesting shots, I think that's why Vogel stuck with him. And uh, and there were some plays where it did matter, particularly with Julius Randle driving to the basket, just having those long arms. You know, we've talked about this. We we know Julius Randle well. Um, we sure do. One thing the knock on him has always been. Well, he's kind of got T-Rex arms, right? And that's not, it's overblown. He just has average. We're so used to NBA players that have these, you know, THD 6'4 with a seven-one wingspan. Julius Randle just has an average wingspan for his height. And so we saw this back when he was a Laker. Sometimes guys that have longer arms can bother his shot. He has a harder time shooting over them. So Ariza dealing with Julius Randle in the paint or just being another set of long arms in there I think that was a factor and why Frank Vogel stuck with him, in addition to what you're saying about kind of the veteran while and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a surprise that Julius cooked the Lakers in the first half shooting over Stanley on a lot of these jumpers, but then lo and behold, you switch Ariza onto those looks and they're a lot more difficult for him. So yeah, I I think it was ultimately the right move. I know he still eventually got his in the fourth quarter and overtime period, but I thought it was a smarter decision by Frank uh, because I think we didn't get to talk about this yet either, but I thought the second half adjustment to have LeBron on RJ Barrett was also very big. Um, So getting more size, more length on those two guys who killed the Lakers in the first half was, um, you know, a really big turning point and that's the reason why they were able to come back from 21 points
1: that is according to lakers pr that's their biggest comeback of the season for a win um and also say this you know the knicks they had 42 points in the first quarter they sure did in the second half the whole second half they had 40 points the entire second half if you add overtime they scored 44. so the second half plus ot they scored two more points than they scored in the entire first quarter that's that's i mean that i don't know what to say that's something (laughs) that that is something that's the lakers their defense the changes they made at halftime clearly worked part of it was the Knicks shot ridiculously high percentage and regression to the mean hit them but part of that is also credit to the Lakers defense that we saw turn things around and I think Malik Monk getting going in the second half too yes. energized them because then it was like hey if we get these defensive stops Malik's going to hit this three and then we're off and running and so that just it brought the energy level up and it rewarded them for getting stops because you're able to get Monk in transition and then making those great plays so Um, it it really, everything tilted in the Lakers favor in the second half. And part of that, not all of it, but part of that is due to the adjustments that they made defensively.
2: Yeah. I, I think this is just a frustrating thing for the Lakers is that we have now seen that they can do the things that we think they can do for halves. Let's just find a game where we can do it for all four quarters. And we can avoid overtime and we can talk nice things about them instead of, you know, having to point out, oh, they came out so poorly and then they finally turned it up. Um, That's usually reserved for good teams that have won a lot of games and then they're just kind of waiting to wake up. But then for the Lakers, the urgency needs to be right from tip off. We can't keep waiting for the second half to start to have these kinds of games.
1: All right. Maddie James, why did this game even go to overtime? Even with LBJ back, we can barely scratch out a win free throws, and we'll talk about that more when we get to the master lock, but free throws, the Lakers missed a ton of free throws down the stretch. That's definitely a factor here. Um, mm-hmm. Another comment said Russell Westbrook was just disinterested today. Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked uh, quite a bit about him. I thought the whole team looked disinterested disinter- in the first half. Um, Keith Smith messaged me, said, oh, man, this has been a rough night for you guys. It, it was part of the way through the first quarter. I said, the Lakers just have this weird thing. Like, they should have come out angry for this game. Angry and energized after losing a game at the buzzer to the Clippers. Anthony Davis shot rimming out. Usually the next game after that, you see a team come out upset and wanting to prove that that shouldn't have happened and, and coming out with some fire in their eyes. And for some reason, this Lakers team all season long hasn't done that. They haven't done They They've just, they come out and they just look like, eh, whatever, We're I guess we're here. And that's kind of what we saw. So I wouldn't even say it was just Russ I thought a lot of the team just didn't look that interested. And then the second half, they they woke up.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm happy you brought that up because uh, you don't have to look any further than the Phoenix Suns that lost on primetime television against the Hawks on Thursday, came out today and absolutely waxed the Wizards and basically showed, like, yeah, no, we're still the best team in the league. Um, That's how you would expect the Lakers to come out after, you know, losing in primetime as well, and a game that they probably should have won, and you get another chance to look good on primetime television against a struggling Knicks team. This is the team that, you know... I said it earlier at the show. They There are a lot of parallels between these two teams this season. And so this was like a get-right game for both of them, it felt like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it just so happens the Lakers actually got to win this time. But, um, yeah, it's it's telling that it took Herculean efforts from three guys to barely scratch out a win, like the comment said. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, a creative player said, so Knicks could use Russ if they wanted to rebuild or but sell tickets during it. Well, that's the old Knicks. That's what the old Knicks used to do. And we praised the Knicks so much for not doing that kind of stuff last year, and it led to success for them. But the trade they throw out here is uh, Fournier, Burks, Kemba for Russ, DJ Ellington, 2027 20, first. Knicks should rebuild. Uh,
2: Bobby Marks trade, huh?
1: Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah.
1: Why, why, oh, why would the Knicks do that? They, they, they won't.
2: Yeah, I, I sorry, it's like I get it. Like having Russ for a season, maybe you can talk yourself into yeah, he just needs a different change of scenery and we have the pieces and coaching staff to do it, but if you're a Knicks fan, can you talk yourself into Russ, like honestly?
1: No. I. that's just it. I don't see any team talking themselves into Russell Westbrook knowing that he's making forty four million this year and forty seven million next year. I think it's the con like if Russ was at ten million, sure. Sure, somebody would and that's and that's where we can confuse this right and we could say russ has zero utility as a player he's terrible he's awful and and we get that sort of idea from his contract is he worth 44 million no but if he was at 10 million then there'd probably be some trade options here right there'd probably be a team that would say well if he's willing to come off the bench or he's willing to do this or do, do whatever fine but at his price i just can't see a team being realistically interested. Maybe I'm wrong. Somebody asked too, uh, you know, what would you bet? Uh, uh, Would you bet that a Westbrook
2: trade happens by Thursday? No.
1: I, I would house against. I think it's...
2: bet the house against. Yeah, I... are, there, are there odds? Can I have odds? I will bet the house against. Absolutely.
1: And you should. I think it's extremely unlikely that Westbrook gets moved by the trade deadline. Yeah, no. All right. Keshawn Edwards. Indy gets favors Ellington the 28th second. OKC gets Russ twenty seven first, and you get money for Monk. Potential wall buyout can retool in free agency. I don't, I mean OKC if they're going to negotiate a buyout with him or something like that. But even then, I don't. Oh, Lakers get Lamb in that scenario. I see, Lakers get Lamb, and you are sending, and you are sending Westbrook. I mean, what a, um, I think OKC is going to want more than a first-round pick for taking on that much salary.
2: Can you imagine giving up essentially Trez Kuz, KCP, and your first for C, for uh, for Lamb? Ouch! It's kind of like how the Blazers gave up <laughs> Gary Trent Jr. for Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Just
1: thinking. Yep. That. DeAndre Brown, please trade for John Wall for for Westbrook. Westbrook no. to Knicks for Evan Fournier. Uh, look, I, I don't see the Lakers parting with their first to part to get rid of, of Westbrook. Uh, John Same. Wall and Christian Woods for Westbrook. I don't. The Rockets aren't going to do oh. that. Uh, you would have to add stuff to it. Uh, Black Hill said, "Long as Lakers fans constantly wait for Westbrook to play badly and only support him if he's crazy hot, he will never play better." I uh, hope the trolling is worth it. I mean, look, there's there's support. I understand fans frustration when you are in a much needed win game. Like you have to win this game. If you're the Lakers, this is an extremely important game and a guy who's been struggling or been hot and cold at best throughout the season, who's very controversial, very polarizing. And that guy is turning the ball over and missing layups. Fans are going to get frustrated. That's what fans do. So as much as we say, Oh, fans should always support their players fans in general. Now there's some player first fans. That's a thing but fans in general want what's best for the team. And if they think someone is hurting their team, they're going to let them know. It's like if a guy requests a trade, they're going to get booed because fans are going to think they're hurting the team. Right? If you're not playing well, fans are going to let their voices be heard once it gets to a certain extent. So I can't even really blame fans as much as, as much as you don't want that to happen. I I can understand in the heat of the moment, You've got to win that game. The pressure's on, and and your guy just missed three layups and missed a couple free throws that are down the stretch. Like, you're going to get a reaction.
2: Yeah, I got really nothing much to add to that. I mean, Russ didn't help himself tonight, missing two free throws in the fourth quarter. That was brutal. Make literally just one, and the team's fine. To be fair, Monk missed the technical free throw also, mm-hmm. but, you know.
1: Maddie James said, I think AD will look, or do you think AD will look at the matchup against Giannis as a revenge game? I hope so. Yeah, last time AD played Giannis, it didn't go well for Anthony Davis. Hopefully we do see a better performance out of him. That is going to be a tough matchup. Sure will. Uh, Franco Sassano said, can we bench Russ? We've talked about that. I don't I don't think they're benching him. I think he's still going to start, and they're going to hope he, he starts to play better. Uh, Scott Stringer said, can we trade THT for a pick? use money to re sign monk. Well even if you cleared THT's money off the books, that still doesn't give get room to go yeah. spend on, on monks. That's just not how it works. Um even with the cap going up. Could you trade THT for a pick? Sure. Yeah. I don't I don't know if you're getting a first or what what you're getting. In theory
2: you could. Can we let's talk about that. Yeah. Um I've gotten a lot of, you know, my messages about what do you think we can get for THT and I honestly have zero idea because I think his value is very split amongst the league right now and i think here's and i here, here's what i keep harping back to also if you're a lakers fan who has seen a lot of tht in the past couple seasons and you're this eager to trade him what do you what kind of message do you think that sends to the rest of the league yeah um you know if you're so eager to get off a guy you're probably not looking at him as much of as much help or not very not much of a positive asset so What can you get for THT? I would guess, you know, depending on the team, a very, very late first round pick or probably like pretty decent second round pick at this point, honestly.
1: And that's, there's some teams that actually see him now from what we've heard as a negative value on his contract because he hasn't played. Exactly. So here's the other thing to this. Are you, if the Lakers feel like they have to cash out THT right now because you got to get a guy that's going to help you win right now, maybe they do think that. Most likely, you're selling low on him. Most, yes, likely. 100%. most likely he's going to play better next season because that's what 21 year olds who then become 22 tend to do. You tend to get better when you're, when you're in your early twenties season by season, you tend to get better. Now, not every player, but in general, in general. So most likely if you're the Lakers, you're probably selling him right now for less than you would get for him next year. That has to be a consideration at the same time. You're considering LeBron James, his age anthony davis all these guys the win now situation the lakers are in they don't have a draft pick all of that kind of stuff you factor in a lot of different things but trading tht are you going to get enough for him you might but if you trade him there's also a decent chance that a year from now people are saying oh look look at how well tht is playing now i was
2: just about to say that yeah it, let's just get ahead of it now. If THT gets traded, it's probably to a team that's not doing super well right now. And he's going to have time to develop and have less pressure to do that. And he's inevitably going to look a lot better. Don't need to look any further than Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart in New Orleans. Um, it's just going to happen. So if the Lakers do end up trading THT next week, which I honestly at this point don't think is going to happen. But if it does, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to a different situation Uh, be put in a better role that suits his strengths more and looks a lot better. Um, I'm just going to say right now that the Lakers don't have that kind of opportunity in front of him because of, you know, who he's playing next to and the fact that we've been talking since the offseason kind of putting him in this 3 and D role that I don't think he is best at right now. And I don't think that's even a controversial take. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think they asked him to be something that that he's not in terms of being a wing stopper. That's what they wanted him to be. Uh, Odinamadu said, did you guys think LeBron's comments at the end of the game were directed towards Russ? I didn't see LeBron's comments. I haven't, I I didn't either. So I don't, I, I can't speak on that as far as whether or not they were about Russ. LeBron has always been very supportive of Russ. So I, I would be surprised if he was taking a shot at Russell Westbrook or anything, but again, I have to see the comments. Have not seen them. Uh, Marquise Jason said Russ needs to come off the bench. I think he would dominate there. Uh, I mean, we saw opportunities where it was Russ and the bench unit, and it didn't go very well. Um, I've had that thought too. But then when we've seen Russ kind of be able to do his thing with the bench for a short spurt, it doesn't seem, it it seems like he has to get in a rhythm from the get-go because just throwing him in for like five minutes with the bench group and saying go just doesn't seem to really work with russ not the way that you might think it would
2: yeah i don't know i i I think you're right i think he he needs to get into rhythm early in the game which is probably why he takes so many shots or he pushes the ball so frequently uh out out of the gate um i think that's just him getting into a game rhythm and then yeah i i think you know that's another way to look at Russ too is like he i don't think it was a surprise honestly to see russ perk up when lebron was out and it was just him and ad I, i don't i don't think that's a um that's not too shocking to me personally. And so maybe that's an avenue to explore where you have LeBron in bench units and then Russ AD 2 man game with, you know, three other players. Maybe, maybe that's how you can salvage this thing.
1: Give him a pick and roll partner out there on the floor. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Dre Johnson, master lock, our free throws. We are getting to that Dre. We will get to the master lock shortly. I know we're going long, but we got a lot of super chats in and that we're getting through. Michael Morales, Westbrook, uh, while well benched did not even get in the huddle. After Ariza's big three, that's not acceptable, even if you're mad. So that's the comment that I was talking about, about him not Mm -hmm. getting in the huddle. We've seen that from him before. If that's the case, if he was just pouting and mad, and again, I, I didn't see it. I didn't catch it myself. So, but I'm saying if that is what happened then I agree. That's, that's not acceptable. It's got to be team you have to put the team before yourself. And if your teammate makes a big three, even if you're frustrated with the way you played, you still need to be supportive of your teammate in, in my mind. But that's again, an if, because I did not personally see it.
2: Yeah. If, I mean, if that comment's true, that's unfortunate, but yeah, I think you need to be engaged even when you're not on the floor. I will interject real quick though. LeBron did say post game, didn't feel that great in pregame up but at least felt better than he did last time he tried to warm up. Oh, well, didn't a... feel great. Wanted to give it a shot and ended up with 29, 13, and 10. Just casual. Did... And he had a reverse dunk. Like he like... had a lot of plays after the whistle that didn't count. Yeah. Where you could just tell he's showing off. <laughs> and he didn't feel that great. Wow. Okay. I wake up out of bed and don't feel great. Is sometime. this is
1: this This is, is old age. Is this Aaron Rodgers playing up how broken his toe is? Because then everybody's gonna look at it and be like, "Oh my gosh, his toe is bro, his toe is hurting that bad." And look what he's still doing because it makes sense. <laughs> you think do you think LeBron's maybe doing that? Like, like yeah, Some I really don't feel good at all. Hang on, let me three sixty dunk this real quick. Yeah, I am not feeling good. I just I did that on one leg. That's that's maybe I think that's what's going on here. He, did, he does he does not look like he was not feeling very good out there. But if he says he wasn't, then then I guess we'll, we we got to go with it.
2: It's like uh, the playing game last year when he said he got poked in the eye and he felt like he was seeing like three rims when he hit that, you know, tough three-pointer over Steph. I was like, come on, man. (laughs) Aim
1: aim for the one in the middle. Aim for the one in the middle.
2: (laughs) What a quote. (laughs) What a guy.
1: (laughs) Jason, would Russ accept a six-man role would be perfect. Um, I don't think so. I think ultimately that's that's a path he's going to have to travel. That's something that he's going to have to decide. A la Dwight Howard, a la Cabrillo Anthony, Vince Carter, all these other guys who had to adjust from being stars to eventually role players. I don't think Russ has made that transition yet. I don't think he has uh, up here. I don't think he has at some point, maybe he will. I think if he doesn't, his days are going to be numbered in the NBA. Um, And I'm not saying he's a bad player or anything, but that's, it's not always an easy transition to make when you've been the guy forever to suddenly have to be a guy and I'm not even saying that's what he should do right now. I'm saying at some point that time is going to come where in order to keep playing, he's going to have to become a role player. And
2: I don't know. I don't know if he'll do it. I have two thoughts right now that I want your opinion on. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first one being um, I was trying to think of that question earlier. What starting point guard is worse than Russ this season? Um, Honestly, my answer went to Kemba first. That was like the first thought I had. Mm -hmm. But then after that, I kind of drew blanks. So I wasn't sure. And then two, a fun question for you. What does Russ's next contract look like?
1: It's so as far as who's like, who's worse? I don't. It's hard to say, right? It's hard. You can't really. Yeah, because you're, you're getting different things. That's part of the problem is Russ doesn't give you like when we think of a point guard, I think, all right, I want a guy. Who's gonna minimize turnovers, a guy who's gonna pass well, and a guy who's gonna knock down threes. That's not Russ doesn't really do those things. I think he is a a decent passer, but he's not the floor spacer. He's not a he gets to the rim, he's not a traditional point guard. So it's when you're judging him against another point guard, you're almost comparing apples to oranges because he plays the position so much different than most point guards do. Um, so I don't really know if I have an answer for who's worse than, than Russell Westbrook or whatever. If I really went team by team, I'm sure I would find teams that have players that are, that are worse.
2: Um, I've got maybe two choices, but we can talk about that offline,
1: but, um, next contract, next
2: contract
1: for Russell Westbrook. I think it's gonna be interesting. I think it's hard in this moment because he just had perhaps his worst game of the season. I would have to think somebody would be willing to give him a mid-level exception, but we are a year and a half away. that moment so what happens between now and then is going to matter a lot it's going to matter a lot if he if he really breaks down next year and really has nothing and really can't get going at all he could be looking at less now if he continues if he shows athleticism has burst has some on nights some off nights some team will probably talk themselves into well you know what if he accepts this and this role okay he can be a weapon for us Right? I but what happens for the next year and a half is gonna matter a ton.
2: Sure. I was just curious.
1: Bruce Barnes, Masterlock Jalen Rose for calling a Westbrook first half triple double before the game. Clearly, this is his fault. It.
2: Did he actually say
1: that? I didn't watch the pregame, I, so I didn't know. I don't know. I, I didn't see it either. That's him, you know, projecting, but then again, I I said bet my my call was bet the under. Obviously that didn't hit. I mean, we all make projections that are not correct um it happens um jalen rose has probably he's been wrong i mean i don't know probably like at least 81 times at this point so (laughs) it it happens it happens happens. happens. (laughs) this will never get old mook morris hey trevor is it likely we'll see the lakers trade players like dj and bays to open roster spots uh, yes. instead by the deadline can we maybe trade for tory craig justin holiday for the pacers for cheap i think those are very realistic expectations there i that is that's honestly that's how i'm approaching the trade deadline that most likely what Same. we're going to see from the lakers is a roster clearing move something that opens up a roster spot so that they can be a player on the bio market i think that's the most likely outcome i think if you're going in expecting the lakers to make a big move you probably walk away disappointed and i'd rather go into the deadline expecting something minor And then if something big happens, we can be surprised by it.
2: I do too. I think that the buyout market is probably the best way to approach, you know, fixing this team, even though, you know, buyout options typically don't pan out the way you like to. But given the Lakers limited means, shall we say, to make any kind of impactful move, I think trading, you know, second round picks and DJs and Kent Bazemore's contracts for, you know, something smaller, like on the margins. I think that's going to be, you know, what the Lakers end up doing by next week.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Cecil Jackson, listen, I understand wanting to be fair when it comes to Russ, but missing wide open layups and the unforced turnovers, those are inexcusable and these are the same issues no matter who he plays with. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it, you would expect a guy like Russ to make layups. I, I think that's a totally, that's thats not an unreasonable take at all, and I'm not saying that I'm defending that. I'm just saying to understand fully what's going on, you have to make sure that you note the other stuff that's happening as well around him, just because it's otherwise you're not getting a full picture.
2: Yep. Hashtag context. Mm-hmm.
1: Let's see what else we've got here. We've got a few more. We'll get into our master lock and then we'll call it a night. Would you trade Kemba Fournier? Would you do the Kemba Fournier trade for Westbrook? I Again, I, we went over that one. I don't see the Knicks doing that.
2: But would you do it if it was on
1: the table for you? My issue is the roster spots, but I'm going to say yes, because oh jay singh said love you guys thank you appreciate it
2: love you too um
1: i'm gonna say yes because i think because i i'm in on move what you need to in order to make room for monk figure it out and i think that three guys having their salary split up to equal russ's salary is a much easier thing to work with than that big 47 million dollar russell westbrook salary so for that reason, in order to try to keep Monk this offseason, I'll say yes. Although, keep in mind, that means that you've got to get rid of two guys in order to accept that trade. So, I, I mean, you'd have to assume it
2: would be like DJ and Kent, right?
1: Yeah, but you're talking about waiving them and, or finding another trade for them. I'm just saying it's another hurdle to clear.
2: Sure. I, I think I probably would, too. I don't remember what Fournier makes off the top of my head, but um, I, w- I would probably do it, too. Uh,
1: Mustafa said, Trevor fam, you didn't read my super chat. I'm still getting through them. It's possible it's in here. Um, if I miss it, then send it back to me uh, and just message it and I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Uh, It's Vogel's job to figure out how to use Westbrook. He should know by now when and where to put Russ for him to be successful. He shouldn't waste him. <clears throat> um, Yes and no. Like, yes, because, yeah, you're right. He, Westbrook has played every game for the Lakers. They should have a pretty good sense of, of what they can get out of him. But at the same time, the pieces around Westbrook have changed so much that Vogel has consistently said, look, Russ's role has changed a ton night to night because the pieces around him keep keep changing. So it's hard to lock him into, hey, this is what you're doing because what he's doing the next night might be very different or what the team needs him to do might be different. So that's my only pushback on that. But ultimately, yes, I agree. I think that he should, by now, have an idea of how to use Russ. And so far, it's been spotty at best.
2: I agree. I mean, that's what the coach's job is to do is to put all your guys in the best position possible. And I don't think we've seen that from Fogel and Russ quite yet. So, yeah, I mean, I think the criticism there's warranted. Uh, it's a very tough peg to fit in any sort of, you know, shape or hole that the Lakers have, though. So I will give Frank some benefit of the doubt there, but not an excuse. He should be able to. I'm just saying it's difficult.
1: Michael, George, and, uh Georgie. Leak is our third star. Not Russ. Sorry. Well, that's why we did the 36-11 the, the the challenge. Award. Uh, award, Leak yeah. and HBK were such steals. I find THT, HBK, and Leak all better than Russ. Leak deserves Russ's $44 million, Shaking my head. Um, I wouldn't go that far. I, I, I reserve forty four like a true max for just a handful of players. Okay, not a handful, but a decent amount of players in the NBA. Certainly not. I'd say a handful. Yeah, I mean there's guys that are going to get maxed that like not all maxes are the same because let's face like if LeBron got paid what he should get paid, he'd be making a lot more than a
2: max. So like if it was just like an open right. salary cap. Yeah. yeah. Like baseball. Yeah. yeah. So
1: so like, if you look at it as LeBron is a max, and the only other players that deserve maxes are guys on LeBron's level, then like hardly anybody's getting maxed. Right. So, but in, in any event, not to derail this there, but I I think Malik Monk definitely is going, he's going to get a big race. He's going to get a big race this off season and he deserves it. He's been fantastic.
2: Ask, go get your bag Malik, but I hope it's with Los Angeles. Stay here, please. Yes, please.
1: Any chance we can steal Tory Craig and Justin Holiday from the Pacers with a second round pick, et cetera, for a rebuilding team? No, Uh, the Pacers are not going to be in any hurry to try to help the Lakers. There might even be still bad blood over the Paul George situation. I don't know. Like, I don't think they're bad targets. I think they're good targets, but I think assuming the Lakers are going to get a steal is probably not going to happen. Look, if you're a team around the NBA, you're looking at the Lakers right now and you're going, hmm, they're desperate.
2: Mr. Burns. Yep. Yes.
1: Excellent. Um, you're looking at them as a desperate team that you can take advantage of. Yep. I mean, they're there's Sonny Weaver Jr. on draft day, right? And you're calling them up while you're eating your pancakes and you're trying to to get three first-round picks out of them for your first right now so they can get Bo Callahan, right? You're trying to fleece them. That's what you're doing if you're one of the 29 teams not named the Lakers in the NBA right now because you look and you're going, they have to do, everybody knows, fans are saying it, they have to do something.
2: So teams are going, hey,
1: Lakers, you have to do something. Give us everything. Give us everything you got for this guy that, eh, you probably could get cheaper, but you're desperate. So we're going to take advantage of that.
2: 100 percent the lakers are absolutely the team that reeks of desperation right now everyone knows that they're trying to win a title this season and they have fallen so far behind so of course teams are going to try and extract as much as humanly possible out of the lakers in any potential deal so um you like to say it a lot trevor and i get to say it now sometimes the best deal you make is the one you don't make and honestly i bet you a lot of fans would look at some if fans got a look at some of the trade proposals teams are probably sending back to the lakers as counteroffers they would probably like look at it and go absolutely not there's no way we're gonna do that but guess what that's what the lakers are gonna get in any negotiation like what team out there is looking at the Lakers and going, you know what? I feel like helping them out. Let's cut them some slack. Let's make this kind of deal. I none, zero teams.
1: Absolutely. Somebody asked uh, Trevor, are you sponsored by LA by the Lakers? I would. Uh, no. Well, here's the thing. If we were, I here Jeremy Grant, I, I would have just got hit by a tampering fine. Mm-hmm. If we were, if we worked for the Lakers specifically.
2: Yes, so, we are our own thing and not sponsored by the Lakers, but
1: right. we wouldn't be able to have a lot of the conversations that we that we have if we were. Uh, Brian Holiday, Russ has to learn how to be effective without the ball and lock in on defense. His game has to change. Kevin Love and Chris Bosh did it, he has to as well. I mean, that's we, we said that in the offseason. We've been You know
2: the difference between those guys though is that they're they bigs so. that can shoot. mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
1: Uh, Tavion Brooks said the Lakers would have been better off starting THT at point guard and never trading for Russ in the first place. If they never traded for Russ in the first place, you'd be starting. I mean, you could put KCP in there and LeBron's your point guard and off you go. Right.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, you could have someone like, I don't know, Kyle Lowry on your team instead. I don't know. Just put it out there. Uh, THT and improve the fringes trading for Justin Holliday. Keep THT and improve the fringes. Okay. Sure. I think honestly, I think people are starting to finally come around to the idea that the Lakers are not going to be swinging for any big trades in the next week. I think it's going to be a role player or two at most. Ooh.
1: Matt, okay. So this comment just came in uh, from Dame. I I, and I have not seen this this. So again, this is me relying on on someone from the chat here. Said, Hey, Trevor. During his post game interview, Westbrook was asked if Vogel talked with him before benching him. His answer was he didn't talk with him before benching him the first time, nor this time. Hmm. That sounds a little, and I got to go back and look at it because it, how he says it matters and everything. But that sounds a little irritated to me.
2: (laughs) Oh, the plot thickens just Mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Justin R said, as much as I hate to admit it, we're missing Kyle Kuzma and his versatility on the defensive end. He'd fill a much-needed niche on our team right now. A... I
2: have said that mm-hmm. a lot this season. Mm-hmm. That was such an underrated aspect of that Burke deal was that the Lakers gave up a lot of length yeah. and size.
1: And as much as, and I even said in the offseason, I think that moving Kyle Kuzma was the best thing for Kyle Kuzma. And I also thought it would be the best thing for the Lakers because I think they needed... Something else, but I also thought the Lakers. But I also said the Lakers didn't get enough wings to make up for losing Kyle Kuzma. One hundred percent. Yeah. So that was the challenge. I thought if you move Kuzma, you're at least going to get enough wings back, and um, and they didn't. And so now you're seeing what not having a guy, a dude who's six ten or whatever, and can defend threes and fours. Now you're
2: seeing why that matters. Yeah. It it kind of sucks too because he's having a really good season for Washington and he could be doing basically the same. He could be doing similar things for the Lakers right now, but so is the grave that you dug.
1: All right. Nader Nation said, What are the chances LA can get Jeremy Grant? Uh, Extremely slim because so many many teams are after him. So many teams are. Um, Fan of the show, Trev. Even Mr. Positive Matt can't save the Lakers. Westbrook needs to be traded ASAP. Even give us John Wall. I mean, you've, it's John Wall and it's John Wall, but you got to give up Russ and the first. That's what the Rockets want.
2: And you haven't seen John Wall play in a year. I, 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 I guess here's where a lot of people are coming from at it. Is, is that, that, you know, subtraction by addition. Mm-hmm. But it's I, I keep going back to the optics of making a deal like that. That just looks so bad for the Lakers to have to give up your best ass. And this isn't me saying this. A lot of people like reports and, you know, other analysts or writers have said this. The Lakers best asset right now is their first round pick in 2027 or 2028. It's their best trade piece. So to have to give that away to dump someone you went all in for. Yikes. Yes,
1: yes indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, people that were asking me to block somebody. Uh, I got it. I got it. I took care of that. It is. I. I can't monitor every single thing in the chat, but yeah, some things. Yes, I. If I saw it, I took care of it, and I saw that, and I took care of that. So, thanks for hanging in there. Do you
2: follow any? Uh, do you follow any WNBA news here, Trevor? I don't. I don't.
1: But I saw the the Sparks did something.
2: I, I didn't. I, Liz Cambage to the Sparks. That's a pretty nice move. Right. Just wanted <laughs> shout out to the sister team in LA. You know, just want to put it out there. I love WNBA basketball, guys. Don't know if you know that, but pretty excited your turn lakers your turn your turn, your turn.
1: In- okay let's let's do it now the master lock of the night the master lock of the night we're going to finish with this master lock let me know chat coming in from youtube from facebook from twitter what are you putting in the master lock from this game matt the optimist peralta let's go to you what's getting the master lock from you
2: god i have so many options tonight don't i <laughs> <laughs> Uh. There's the obvious one. There is our favorites to always call out the officials for blown calls and things of that nature. Um, What do I want? I I guess I'm going to master lock RJ Barrett because he forced the game into overtime that I didn't want to see any extra minutes of. So come on, Trevor, tell me you were watching this game and you said, you know what I want to do? I want to watch more of these two teams play against each other. No,
1: but but if you're going to master, shouldn't you master lock the Lakers missing free? Like if they make one of those free throws, they went one for six. You make you go two for six and the game ends in regulation.
2: Yes, 100 percent. I totally agree that I think free throws is the correct answer here. More specifically, the free throw shooters, Russ Malik Monk, etc. But I, I, I want to try and stay as pro Laker as possible. So I'm going to try and, you know, I'm going to give them credit for their wins. So I'm going to blame the guy that forced me to watch more games. Or more 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 minutes of this game so rj barrett have a career night congrats but please don't make me watch more of you guys because watching the knicks is also like pulling teeth i don't know how many knicks games you've watched trevor but man it is a slog when they're not playing the lakers it's it's certainly not what they did last season
1: that's for sure no that's for sure um oh master lock the two knicks fans courtside wearing full uniform oh no somebody said non lakers news but have you heard markeith morris's career might be over the injury is yes, more serious I did than see anticipated. That. I saw that he might be out for the season, but I didn't know it was a career thing. Man, that's rough, that's man. that's from the Jokic thing. The the yeah, he's just he been out.
2: Yeah, it. I guess it was like a neck spinal injury yes. thing. So you know, those are super serious. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, <sighs> thoughts and prayers to our to Lakers champion Markeith Morris. Um, uh, we hope you get to play basketball again soon. Man, that's rough.
1: that is definitely not not what I wanted to see. Yeah. All right. Um, my master lock. It's gonna go to to Russell Westbrook. I mean, pretty simple. I, I I, kind of. Yeah. Have to. I don't even need to explain why, really, because I think this was probably his worst game as a Laker, and uh, and having to get that is saying a lot. Because he's had some rough <laughs> nights, but again, um, had to get benched in overtime, in order for Lakers to get the win. And again, my impression was midway through the fourth quarter, was that if you had benched Westbrook, not brought him back in in the fourth you would have just won the game outright. So with that being the case, I think I have to master lock him on this one. Uh, oh, Derek Jones, last second here at Super Chat, said, Russ is a superstar, and when that's why they brought you in, you adjust role players, have to worry about being put in position and not be a superstar. Um, yeah, I mean, Russ has to adjust. He has to adjust. And we'll see if he can do that. But that was the question heading into the season. All right, everybody. This is this is I think probably our longest show that wasn't like a marathon trade deadline show or something. We're at an hour and 32 minutes. We're at, we're uh, at 92 minutes of lakersnation.com post game show and we still have a ton of people in here so appreciate all of you joining us tonight. Matt, thank you for sticking with me through this this marathon.
2: Well, you know, Trevor, I think at this point, anytime you and I get to talk Lakers basketball, it's a lot more than what you probably expect with other people. But uh, thanks for having me on. Um, Before we leave, I just want to get your thoughts Mm -hmm. or how you feel heading into Tuesday's game against the Milwaukee Bucks.
1: Apprehensive? I don't know. I mean, see, here's, like we said, at the start of this game, you would have expected the Lakers to come out angry, right? Upset, energized, firing all cylinders. And they didn't. You just, you never know what to expect from this team on any given night. So I don't know if they're going to come out against Milwaukee and play their best game of the season and Russ is going to be a monster and bounce back and they're going to get a, a surprising win or they're just going to get steamrolled. I mean, anything could happen there. And that's, that's been part of the frustration about this team is that as soon as you feel like, okay, they found their, way, oh, no, wait, they just lost to the Thunder. You know, like that's, you just keep getting hit by these, these sucker punches. Um, you just never know what you're going to get from from the Lakers. So it's hard to feel confident going in. I don't know. I'm going to watch it either way, but I don't I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what we're going
2: to see. Yep. Toxic relationship with the Lakers continues. Yep. They treated us to something nice today and then Tuesday might just be a completely different thing. So uh, I'm incredibly looking forward to seeing how they come out. That'll be fun ease speezy steezy
1: said missed my super chat but keep balling dropping 50 i'm sorry if i if i missed it if you if you get this fire it off real quick i i try not to miss any of them i try to see them but uh... send
2: me 50 and i'll answer anything (laughs) you want man My DMS are open.
1: I try to get them all and save them as I go through. So maybe, maybe I missed it somehow, but appreciate all of you guys joining us. Uh, Thank you guys for sticking with us and talking so much Lakers basketball. Obviously there was a lot to get into from this game. A lot of things that people want to talk about. So appreciate all of you guys for joining us as always. Make sure you are subscribing to the LakersNation.com YouTube channel. If you haven't already turn on those notifications as well. We have new Lakers content coming out every single day there. So again, Make sure that you are subscribing there and turning on those notifications. All right, guys. Oh, some people are saying thanks for the long show. You're welcome. Thank you guys for being here. Again, without all of you guys, we don't get to get to do this. So again, it's us us thanking you for being here. Thank you for paying my rent, guys. Appreciate you guys. All right, everybody. <laughs> That's one way to put it, right? All right, everybody. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Stay safe and see ya.